Welcome to 3Talk, coaching conversations for modern day living. With backgrounds in business, marketing and teaching, Susie, Lucia and Fleur bring you tips and tools to help you live the life you want to live. 3Talk, transforming lives for the better. Welcome back to 3Talk. Today we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to discuss the teachings of one of my favourite books, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. This book went to the top of the charts when it was shared by Oprah Winfrey, like Eckhart's Toll the and book The Power of Now, as one of her favourite life-teaching books. Michael Singer is now a world-renowned spiritual teacher, but prior to that, he was the creator of a leading-edge software programme that transformed medical practice management and the founding CEO of a billion-dollar company. He actually wrote this when he was going through a very difficult time in his own life. I started reading this book again when lockdown started, as it was soon clear this is when I would need to look within for strength and happiness, not outside of myself. One of my favorite Michael Singer quotes is, you think the solution to your inner problems is the world outside, but nobody has ever truly become okay by changing things outside there is always the next problem. This book has many, many powerful teachings to help attain inner peace, know who you are, and be happy regardless of your circumstances. But today we're going to share six of our favorites. I know how difficult it is for all of us to have time for books, but if you do have time, this for me is a must read. So the first teaching we're going to share is to recognize you are not your faults, hence you're not the voice in your head. There is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you're not the voice of your mind. You are the one who hears it. And that's a quote from Michael Singer. By advising us that, they, that we are not the voice in our heads, Michael Singer helps us think about who we truly are. He helps us understand that the voice in our heads cannot cause stress if we know that we are separate from it. So kind of this isn't our true self. We make our own sense of the world as we, through this voice as we add context and meaning to what we experience. And that voice often labels our experiences as good or bad. And it kind of judges by how that thought makes us feel. So really the mind should be our servant, but often it's a horrible master. And this is why these days I hardly drink anymore. As I found when I drank... Even after a couple of drinks, my thoughts were more erratic or the next day I'd feel more negative and impulsive. When I don't drink, I can observe the thought and not interact with it negatively. So this kind of shows how our biology as well can change this voice in our head. What do you think, Lucia? Yeah, I really agree with that. And I think one of the main challenges is that when we are hearing that voice in our head, it's something that is hard to silence. Uh, say that you were on, on the phone with a friend or family member being in the same role as this inner voice, it's sort of easier to silence them. Like you can cut off the conversation and it's gone. But this this voice stays within us. So it's harder to not pay attention to it. One of the things I like doing uh, with my clients is actually asking them to give this voice a name and treat it as if it was an external factor. Just A, to help 
on one hand, recognize it and treat it as a friend more than a menace. Uh, but also because when you personalize something, it somehow is easier to establish that conversation from an outer perspective, if it makes any sense. Instead of you having a dialogue with yourself and confronting your own feelings, you're having a conversation with your best friend and trying to understand what that person is trying to tell you. So I think, you know, it links back to what Michael Singer is saying is you are not your thoughts. And the minute that you start treating them as a separate item, it might become a bit easier for you to come around those thoughts and get to understand what the source of, their, of those is or what's the learning or the advice they're trying to give you rather than see them as a, as a challenge and a threat. Yes, and it's, you know, making sure that voice isn't coming from fear, isn't it? Trying to keep you small. So that goes on to his second point, or the second teaching. Much of what the inner voice says about the future is useless because life seldom unfolds in accordance with the voice. So, for example, the sun will continue rising and setting regardless of what the voice says. And life will happen in in accordance with greater unimaginable forces, regardless of what you think about it. Constantly trying to solve future problems that might not even happen stops you using your mind to create a wonderful life. Instead, you're trying to prevent and control things that haven't even happened yet and probably won't even happen. Completely draining your energy. What do you think, Lucia? The way I look at this, and I can't recall who says it, but, you know, when you're looking at the future, you are kind of in that wonder space. You are in in forecasting and none of us is a fortune teller. When you're living in the past, you are living in, in that sort of nostalgia and somehow sadness. But, you know, when you're living in the present, is it right here and the right now? And that's something you can focus. That's something that is tangible. That's something that in a way you can control. So there's even more safety when you look at your life or or what's happening from the now moment, rather than trying to figure out what the future is. Because the truth is, we don't know. You can start building your future step by step and day by day, but as much as I would like to tell you that my future is going to be me living in a judge in the coast of Hawaii, I don't know. I really don't know. I wish that happens. Maybe I can put some things in place to make that happen. But 100%, I don't know. I know that I can take steps to get there. I know that today, that might be my vision. I know that today I can do X, Y, and Z to get there. But whether that's going to happen in five, 10 years, who knows? So that leads us to the next teaching. Freedom comes from freeing yourself from the mind. So the main source of our problems, as we've said, is our mind because it overanalyzes the past and the future. For this reason, freeing ourselves from the mind by refusing to emotionally attach to its chatter frees us from our problems. To make this even clearer, we are human. Yes, we will have feelings of sadness and anger. For example, if I'm annoyed that I've been a little impatient with one of my children, I might feel sad because I'm human, so that's okay. If I then overanalyze it and make up the story that I'm a bad parent that always loses their patience, I'm torturing myself. Hence, I'm emotionally attaching to thoughts. If I accept the feeling and realize I'm a human, I will have the energy clarity to explain to my daughter how her interrupting whilst working is not the right time, unless an emergency. And we can both move on in a positive way. 
Hence, the voice inside my head is something I can observe and I can turn the volume down so that I can think clearly instead of attaching that negative story. What do you think, Lucia? Yeah, and I think, like, you know, one of the key things for me when, again, that, that mind strikes is contextualising is, okay, what has happened here? Instead of letting myself just go into that whirlwind of thoughts and, and guiltiness coming at me, I try and step back and start thinking, okay, what's the reality here? I think the Dr. Judith Orloff says very nicely in her book, The Ecstasy of Surrender, and is dropping that attachment, is dropping that emotional guilt and start seeing the situation for what it is and start bringing that context and start looking at those facts rather than, you know, letting my mind just explode. Pretty similar to what you were saying, instead of starting to say, oh my God, I'm a bad mom because I shouted at my daughter. Well, let's start thinking, why have you shouted at her? What was the reality? This takes us on to teaching number four, change is part of life. Life is continuously changing, and if you're trying to control it, you'll never be able to fully live it. Change is part of life because things will change whether you like it or not. And that's another quote by Michael Singer. So the best way to deal with change is to accept it by realizing that it leads to personal growth. If you resist change, you'll never fully live because you always worry when the unexpected happens or when you think about the possibility of change in the future. We are currently getting a big lesson in change of circumstances. If we accept, then we are mostly at peace with it. COVID-19 is obviously a time of big change, as we've said in our previous podcasts, and accepting that change and riding the wave is the best way to deal with it. I think you just nailed it. It is all about flexing and adapting and knowing that change is real and, and change will happen inevitably. There will be things that you can control without that realm. There will be others that you might not be able to. But what you can control, um, as we were saying before, is what can you do right here and right now? How are you going to act and react to something? What steps can you put in place to help you adjust to that change as swiftly as possible? And I think, as you were saying, COVID-19 has really shown us what changes uh, and what changes in less than 24 hours, kind of, uh, you know, broadly speaking, because in a way uh, we saw this coming, but I don't know about you, uh, but it did seem like the change happened just overnight. Like one day we were all going to work, the officers having our normal life, kids in nurseries, schools and yada, yada, yada. We woke up to everybody stay at home and please don't leave. So that was a masterclass on adjusting but you know if this situation has shown us something is that we can adapt to this change and we can make the best out of that situation like I'm hearing a lot of people and reading a lot of, of, of posts of people actually saying you know what this lockdown is actually helping me finish those courses that I had stuck or reading this book that I really wanted or get to a grip in terms of exercise and nutrition so Change is going to happen, but how that change affects you is very much in your hands. So, you know, instead of fearing it, start thinking, how can I embrace it? How can I make this work to my favor? Yeah, I just talked to my mum and she was saying this. 
been the best few weeks for her because normally she's running around looking after half the community and now she's locked in the home just looking after herself my father my sister and she's actually quite enjoying it so I think for some people this has become more of a positive time it's not this change hasn't been a hard time for everybody so this leads us on to point five teaching point pain or uncomfortableness is part of life embrace it if you want to be truly free you must make peace with uncomfortableness instead of avoiding it get comfortable with the uncomfortable you must learn to embrace inner disturbance or inner pain by realizing that it's a temporary experience therefore instead of running away from experiences that can bring in a pain try to face them and deal with the pain and it will eventually disappear by dealing with the pain, you'll grow because you'll stop avoiding everything, e.g. you'll stop avoiding failure, rejection, perseverance. All these things bring up uncomfortableness. A real example is if you want to find a partner, if you're not okay with rejection, you'll never try it because, of course, there's going to be rejection. If you accept rejection as part of the process, you will eventually find a person who you truly connect to. So try not to avoid being uncomfortable kind of accept it's just part of the process it's not going to be forever it's just a very small part of it yeah I agree with that and I think like the main thing to remember here is that that's how our brain is wired all right and this this stems from caveman times where our brain goes in two directions either I run or I face the problem so your mind immediately, when it faces a challenge or something that feels uncomfortable, is going to process it as you know a challenge, is something to fear. And so you're going to be inclined to run away from that. But the main thing to do, and I think Marisa Peer uh, you know, has plenty of, of research and communication done to this end, is retraining your brain to tell them that what you're facing might feel uncomfortable by by repeating it, by putting yourself through this again and again and again, you're going to make it comfortable. And that's what we're trying to do here. It may feel uncomfortable, but in the end, if you keep at it, if you give yourself a chance, and if you recognize that it really is not a threat, it really is nothing to fear here, I'm just going to have to try it. And, you know, I'll give you an example. When I came to the UK, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Spain. Uh, and I loved driving in Spain, but I was as scared to my bones of trying it here because to me it's the wrong side of the road. And I was so scared that I was going to have an accident uh, because my driving would not be up to the standards that I refused flatly to drive for three years. And then it came to a point that I was like, well, I really need to start driving now. And I started by, you know, going to the end of the road going to a roundabout and then back home. And then slowly I started to see that really there was nothing to it. I could do it. And it was by doing that. I now move to the countryside and I use the car every day and I love it again. So give yourself a chance, step by step, little by little, make the, familiar, make the unfamiliar familiar. I've been in the car with you, Lucia, as well. You're a good driver. <laughs> it's a good job you got over that fear living in the countryside. You wouldn't be able to get anywhere. Which leads us nicely on to number six. If you want to be happy, accept your current circumstances. 
If you want to be happy, you must decide to be unconditionally happy. That is, you must decide to be happy with your life regardless of your circumstances. Obviously, if the circumstances are terrible, using the voice to empower you to make positives daily to a better life, so dissociate from the negative chatter. I know it's very, very hard when you're in very difficult circumstances to just say if you want to be happy, then decide to be happy. But we need to grow from the good in our life. And if we're standing and we're breathing, there's still good to be found. So come from that space. Don't come from everything's horrific. I'm never, I'm never going to improve my life. This is never going to get better. It has to be. Unfortunately, something has to click where you make it a decision. What do you think, Lucia? Oh, Flo, you know that I am a lover of positivity. That's kind of my life's mojo. But I agree, it's, it's hard to see positive things and, and, you know, to live from that optimistic uh, point. I think the one thing is that realizing that not everything in your life is going to be perfect. It's, it's, it just isn't. And this stems from, you know, Maslow's pyramid. The minute that you've got one need fulfilled, then you're going to step onto the next challenge. So there's always something that you're going to want it to be better in a different way or perform in a different way. So that's 100% satisfaction, that 100% happiness probably won't be there. But what you can't do is look for those moments within the day, moments within your life that are perfect, that are full of happiness and positivity. Because also what you focus on, it maximizes. And I'm sure if we've got any mums listening to us, when you ladies got pregnant, all of a sudden you started seeing many pregnant women around you. Why? Because that was a new awareness that had come to you. And as such, it was top of your head. And as such, that was what you were focusing on. So positivity works in a very similar way. Start seeing positive things within your day. And the moment you start doing that, you will start realizing that there are far more positive things around you than you thought. And, you know, if, if you want to see that positivity in action, I would encourage you to join me. Uh, you know, every Friday at 4 p.m., I run a call called Empower by Positivity. Um, and we covered those in there. So, you know, you'll be more than welcome to join me there. You can come to my uh, website and find a way to book your space. Amazing. If anyone can get anyone being positive, Lucia, it's you. And I do think we do need the support of others. So it's really important that if you aren't feeling positive or happy, that you do join those the, the groups like Lucia is running. So the seventh teaching is contemplate death. Now bear with us. I know this can sound negative, but it does have a positive reframe. So Michael Singer's quote is, learn to live as though you're facing death at all times and you'll become bolder and more open. Contemplating death is important to us because it enables us to detach ourselves from the part of us that is unwilling to let us live to the fullest. Besides, knowing that you're going to die will make you want to live in the present moment because you'll realize that constantly thinking about the future is not helpful since the future is unguaranteed. So this can seem very negative, but actually when you look back and think if if you're on your deathbed, what would you have wanted to matter? How would you want it to live? Who would, who would you have wanted to love you? I think you live from a space of now 
and what's really important to you than constantly trying to protect yourself from feeling uncomfortable feelings. Instead, you'll do what you really want to do and you'll be a lot bolder, as Michael Singer says. What do you think, Nietzsche? Well, you know, death is the only guaranteed thing that we've got. From the minute that you're born, the only guaranteed thing is that one day you're going to die. What happens in between? Nobody knows. Nobody can guarantee. And so if you're living your life thinking that you're one of those Elliot Ness uh, characters uh, who will never die, then you're killing yourself. And the best thing that you can do is to start living your life as if you're going to die, because you are. So start living a life worth dying for. Uh, the one way I like looking at mine, and I, you know, I saw this, it's one of my favorite bits from a very cheesy film called Letters to Juliet. But, you know, there's a grandmother is in the sun with her grandson, and he's complaining that, you know, life is full of messy bits. And she tells her, darling, life is the messy bit. And that really resonated with me because it is the truth. Life is going to be messy, but it's this messiness that makes it worth living. It's all the learnings, it's all the laughs and the belly aches from laughing so hard that are going to make it worth. So you better start thinking forward and imagine yourself in your deathbed and thinking, what are the things that I want to remember? How do I want people to talk about me when I'm gone? And turn that into your life's, you know, mojo, your goal, your objective. Make those wishes come true now. Yeah, there's that very good book from uh, Bronnie Ware. It talks about the five wishes of the dying. And one of them was that they regretted not doing the things that were most important to them. So I think it is a good teaching. We can put it round into a positive way and really think about what we want to do with our lives. And on to the final teaching. The most important thing in life is your inner energy. If you're always tired and never infused, then life, of course, is no fun. But if you're always inspired and filled with energy, then every minute of every day could be or is an exciting experience. Learn to work with these things through meditation, through awareness and willing effort. You can learn to keep your heart and energy center open. You do this when you feel stressed or negative by just relaxing and releasing. So that negative energy or feeling comes up instead of engaging with it, let it flow through you. So you also do this by not buying into the concept that there is anything worth closing your heart over for. Remember, if you love life, nothing is worth closing your heart and energy over for. Nothing ever. Thanks so much for joining us today and thanks so much for your support so far. As always, we appreciate it and we thank you for subscribing, sharing our podcast and all the love. We'd like to say a huge thank you to the NHS and all the other amazing service providers that are making this time easier for us all. Remember, you are not your thoughts and if you're having trouble with negative thinking, please get in touch. We are trained to help you do the self-inquiry. You can find us at flareprime.com and coachingwithlucia.com. Have a great week and much love.